Here's the deal with my papa. Hello and welcome in everyone. Uh, Jordan, thank you again for that introduction and welcome to Here's the Deal with Danny Sitters. I'm Jeff Adair here sitting down with Danny. Danny, how are you doing today? I'm well and I'm ready to talk about some of the stories that Jesus told. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm looking forward to this. We're kind of doing a, a little different setup here today, so I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Danny, first of all, before we get started, how long did it take you to choose which parables to go through? Because Jesus told a lot of stories to us. Well, I just went through and I start reading them. And, you know, of course, I, I landed on two that I spent the first part of the sermon on and then the last part. Yeah. Uh, and, and yes, I did pick some of the more challenging parables. But, you know, we went through five or six of them and, right. and several of them are challenging. But... The one of the the parable of the shrewd uh, manager really th threw me for a loop. Yeah. Matter of fact, in thinking about it, I've never preached a sermon on it. I don't think I've ever heard a sermon preached on the oh, on the shrewd manager. Yeah. Takes his takes the owner's money. You know, he gets fired because of he's been cheat. He's been uh, cooking the books. Gets fired. Doesn't know what to do. But he figures he'll go and cut prices in half for the, the, the those that owe the uh, owner money, and um, really kind of even cheats the owner out of more money. Right. I mean, ultimately, that's really what's going on. He's called dishonest, and yeah. he got fired. Right. Now, you can't overcome those two. However, you want to try to explain this, right. explain this away, and that rascal um, gets commended. Yeah. Then the owner hears that he's. Um, you know, cut the the earnings in half. He gets commended, and then here comes Jesus with the statement. Well, you know what? The children of this world, they're more shrewd in dealing with you know worldly things than the children of light. In, in other words, well, at least they did something. Right. At least he did something. Yeah, it's, it's better than just sitting on your hands and yeah. complaining about it. Right. Well, again, that that doesn't sit well with my moral compass yeah well. I, you know I, I i want it to be black and white you know either the owner's in the wrong because he he just wasn't paying people what they were worth they should be paying them more or this manager is you know a scumbag and yeah. he needs to get what's coming to him and you have both you know kind of operating at the same time in the same sphere, and Jesus is over there going, well, you know what, at least he did something. Yeah. That doesn't square with me. It hasn't squared with me. And so I thought, okay, I, to me that's just a prime example of parables that Jesus taught. Now, let me say one more thing. Again, I don't believe as, as a church, and I'm talking about the church universal, we just have not spent enough time dealing with the teachings of Jesus. Mm, yeah. We want to jump to the end of the trial, the crucifixion, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, and then, all right, Paul, take over and tell us, you know, what we should do from here on out and, and all the letters that he wrote and James and Peter. Yeah. We just haven't spent time with his teachings. Now, again, remember that the, the end for Jesus, the, the, the crucifixion and the resurrection, is all based upon his teaching. 
Yeah. The teaching came first. True. And and for me, I'm I'm, I'm beginning to see in a greater way now that the mission of Jesus, that end of life and new life for Jesus, just does not make complete sense without his teaching. So you go back and start looking at his teaching and what he did and where he went, and you start to break these stories down. And Jesus Jesus becomes kind of like a spiritual cotton candy. It just kind of melts in your mouth or melts in your hands, and you, 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 at the end of the day, you, you have nothing left. Yes. You're like, wait a minute now. Where's, where's the morality? Where's the truth? Where's the substance here? Where can I hang my hat on this? Right. So, yeah, I did start with the shrewd manager, which was one of the toughest ones, but then ended up again with the prodigal son, this time looking at the older brother yeah. who is like me, who I'm like. I'm, I'm like the older brother. Uh, you know, there's a lot of emotion that goes into this. So yeah. that's, that's kind of, the, the parables again, as I said, and, and, and this isn't my thought. I, I, I read this. The parables could be compared to another form of um, literature or, you know, called the joke. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, and the joke is on us. Right. And so with the parables... You, you, one of the one of our responses is we laugh. <laughs> There's no way. I mean, and then you get frustrated. So you ever told a joke to a group of people and ninety percent laugh, and the other people are standing there going, "Wait, wait, wait a minute, what? What? Wait, yeah, wait. And you have to explain it to them. They right. go, "Oh yeah, I, I get it." I think that's that's also another of our reaction is yeah. we we laugh at that. No way it can be. And but then sometimes we're like, "Well, wait a minute. Hmm. Wait, wait, wait. That that doesn't." That doesn't um, parallel with my own belief, my own doctrine, my own thought, yeah. my own theology um, that's been handed down to me for generations. And so, I, again, I think that's one of the reasons why if we have tended to avoid the teachings of Jesus, that's why. He, he, lives, he leaves us in a dazed state of, what do I do with this? Right, yeah, we don't want to... We don't want to think that way. Well, I mean, that's not thinking as, well, as far as we're concerned. Yeah. Um, I likened the uh, the joke to uh, an older member who's, who's passed on now uh, many years ago who told me that um, there used to be a, a time where members of the clergy were not supposed to have senses of humor. And I looked at him and I said, well, Jesus told jokes all the time. Yeah. And he didn't look at me. He looked at me like, what do you mean? I said, well, the camel through the eye of a needle. I said, that's a joke. Right. Like, that's not going to happen. That's right. a, He looked at me and thought I was crazy. But eventually he right. came around and was like, that was a joke. I'm like, yeah. Right. Or um, was it... Was it at the house of Simon? Anyway, Jesus was at the house of a Pharisee, and the woman comes in and anoints him. Oh, yes. I mean, she, she comes, you know, bursting right in. Woman shouldn't be there. Yeah. Not this kind of woman. She's interrupting the, the, the event, and everybody's staring at her. And he gets done, and Jesus looks at the Pharisee or Simon and says, Simon, do you see this woman? And just... That's it. Right? That's funny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't know that's all you can see. Yeah. You know, and so that to me is, again, part of his of his humor. Yeah. Simon, do you, do you see this woman? Of course you did. So, yeah, the, Jesus, I think, I think we would have loved to have had Jesus at one of our fellowship meals or come uh -huh. over to the house with a group, you know, yeah. because I think he would, he would have joined right in. But then he would tell us a story or ask us a question or, you know, 
get on to us religious folks. Yeah. So it, it and, and I think that's the way it is with Jesus. There's laughter, there's fun, there's close knit unity and love, and oh, here comes the challenge. Yeah. Jesus is just not going to allow us to stay the way that we are. Ooh. You know, moving forward. Yeah. He's not going to force anything. He's going to lay it out there for us to um, think about, to deal with, and to find out. So, for instance, again, the parables. The, the question is, where am I in the story? Yeah. So, the, the, the parable of the shrewd manager, I don't, I don't want to identify with any of them. That's not a good story to start with, but yeah, yeah you're right. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm better than all of them. That's right. And Jesus' <laughs> point is, no, you're not. Yeah. There's not, Nobody's hands are clean in right. this. Yeah. And that's often the way life is. You know, so I'm always looking for, now, what's the right moral thing to do and what you know what again because we, we all want to honor god and, and and rightfully so and i think that's part of jesus's point sometimes your religious morality keeps you from doing anything yeah you you, you dig your heels in you don't do anything well that's worse than in some instances getting something getting done something done yeah right that's been the challenge of the church for a long time we drag our heels we we are the church has always been behind the pace of the world right now again you and you can put that in all kinds of categories sure. and, and and sometimes we don't want to be you know alongside the world but we're slow yeah we're slow and that's part of it and i wonder if, if, if jesus wouldn't come along and go hey, at least do something yeah come on now do something yeah. So when we put ourselves in the story, it, when you were talking about that, um, it reminded me of Exodus twenty four twelve, and had some discussions about this. Um, but you know, God tells Moses to come up to me on the mountain. And most of our translations say wait there. But you know, when you look into the text and everything else, it's kind of literally means be there. And so, you know, obviously, you know, I, you and I have talked about how we have uh, can get in our car after, after work. And then next thing you know, we're in our garage. Like, oh, geez, how did I get here? Right. But it's just our minds are somewhere else. And God knew that Moses would be distracted from what was going on back home per se, and needed him to be there in mind, body, and soul. So I wanted to ask you, what are some practical or easier ways that we can put ourselves into the story? Because I know that we've discussed this too, but it's so much easier for us to put our culture into the Bible and not put ourselves into their stuff. So is there any easier way that you could tell us how to do that? No, great question. I guess my first response to that would be when, from here on out, whenever we encounter a story, a parable from Jesus, first thought is this. He's not necessarily telling the story for me to gain some additional intellectual knowledge. Or advantage. Advantage. Um, or, or, or so that I can, you know, go to my small group and go, hey, guys, you won't believe this. I memorized the parable of the shrewd manager. There you go. I mean, I've got the knowledge. It's, it's, it's not the point of the parable. But now, again, let's think this through, how most of us were taught to read Scripture and why we read Scripture. Okay. I want to put it in my heart and have it in my head and... And, and, and again, now there, there's great value to that yeah. to an extent. But I want to learn how to um, come to the parable 
that Jesus is about to tell, that I'm about to read and say, okay, he's he's about to throw me some curveballs when I'm looking for a fastball. Oh, yeah. He's going to throw a knuckleball. You know, He might even throw at me. Right. I may have to duck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I may have to get out of the way here and, mm. and, and walk out of the batter's box and go, let me take a breather here. Wow, this guy's wild. Yeah. So it's not just... The parables are not just for my intellectual knowledge so that I can keep Jesus in a box that I've already created for Oof. him or that has you know been handed down to me. And by the way, all of us have a desire to want to put Jesus in a box that is labeled just like me. Oh, yes. Ouch. You know, yeah. all churches want to put Jesus and God in a box that we labeled just like us. Yeah. And so the parables are designed to blow up our box and to make us think beyond where we are at this moment. But yes, so I would say that would be the first place to start. The second thing is, is to put myself in the story and to be as honest as we can with the story and with the characters in the story. Are, are you, you know, am I the, the, the prodigal son that has just wasted everything and hurt people and been selfish and been angry? Guilty. And, and, and feel like it's, it's my right and I don't care who I hurt? Yeah. Or am I the older brother? Again, you know, so I described him as probably neatly dressed, a pocket protector with several pens and pencils in there and a calculator. And a lot of keys, by the way. A lot of protector. A lot of keys hanging off his pants, you know. He's got a key for everything. He's organized. He's the deacon of, you know, social life at the synagogue or, or operational life. You know, I mean, he's, he, he's organized. And, and everything to him is right and wrong, black and white. It, and he just cannot get in his mind how father would go running out to younger brother and, and hug him and forgive him and give him a kiss and kill the fatty calf and throw a party and then say, hey, come on in and dance. Because this younger brother has not made um, recompense yeah. for his sin. He has not paid the price he has not, um, you know, um, done ABC to get back into well, the family yeah. or whatever. And into the good graces of God, into yeah. the good graces of the family. I mean, he embarrassed the family. Right. Right. Again, so uh, uh, if you go back, we've talked about this before on a previous podcast. Our idea of honoring God is make sure you get saved. Yeah. Um, you, you make sure that your morality is correct and don't embarrass your family. Yeah. Be a respectable family member. Well, he violated really all of them. <laughs> yeah, those are I mean, he's three strikes. He's out. Yeah. And, and father just wants to let him right back in the house. Mm. And, and he's not going for it. And I want to tell you that there have been many times in my life I didn't go for it. Yeah. No, 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 no. If you just let him come back in, he's going to do it again. Right. He, he, he'll do it again. Um, if he hasn't learned his lesson, um, if you let him back in, you're condoning his sin. Yeah, enabling. You're enabling him yeah. to live that way. Yep. Right. Mm. I mean, that's that's where we live. Yeah. Or the third the third option is, am I the father who has learned how to love both 
the one who, who is rebellious and hurts and the one who is a, a religious hypocrite. Hmm. The love, the, that's big love. Yeah, to, to go both ways. So I've got to be honest, where, where am I? And so I would say that over my life, I've been the older brother. Hmm. It, it's how I was raised. It's how I was taught. It's how I think. It's, it's, it's how I've reacted to people yeah. over the years who've messed up. And um, Jesus nails me. And um, he, he hammers me hard with that story. Yeah. And I've got to learn then how to, um, I've got to learn how to, ch- to, to, to change my view, but to reorient my thinking my faith and my love toward people that I believe are on the other side. Yeah. Um, when I see you say identify with that, I was before we hit record, I was telling you that with par- uh, the, that parable of the prodigal son, I'm, it's going to be a while before I identify with any other character besides the younger one because I actually lived that life. And in, I lived in a small town, so everybody knew everything that was going on. So I embarrassed the family. Yeah. I did all that stuff. I was uh, eating with pigs, pretty much. So yeah, I can identify with him um, for sure. And the the great thing about uh, the father in that situation, I've always thought about this, is that so he's uh, to represent God. So God's at his house waiting. He runs out to get the sinner. He goes back to the house, and then he goes and tells him, "Hey, let's let's celebrate." Then he goes out to the righteous one. And tells him the same thing, and he wants him to come celebrate too. They both inviting to come celebrate, and like you said, Jesus had our fellowship meal. Well, he would definitely celebrate with us, but yeah. then he would also <laughs> sit us down and be like, "Okay, yeah. let me tell you guys something." That's a good point. Yeah, the father had the same message to both sons. Yeah, that's interesting. It yeah, it is. It but it was the it was two different responses mm-hmm. from the son. Yeah. Even though the younger brother, you know, he had his speech ready. Father, forgive me for I have sinned yeah. and, and just make me a slave. I mean, think about how many times have we felt like that when mm-hmm. we have screwed up royally and sinned. God, if you'll just let me, you know, be a slave. God, if you'll just forgive me of this, I'll just, you know, I'll mop floors the rest of my, my life. Whatever, you know, whatever I can do, whatever it takes. Right. And, and the story says that God interrupts us when we're trying to give that speech and says, come on, let's party. Let's yeah, dance. Let's dance. Yeah. See, I don't deserve that. Right. That's right. We don't. Yeah. So and so the same. You're right. The same message to to the older brother. Hey, come on in and dance. Everything that I've ever had has always been yours. Uh, you're you know you're wonderful. But but he couldn't do it. One did and, and and one couldn't. But both struggled with this. Yeah. Both struggled um, to to a degree with the love of the father. Grace is hard to accept when it's in your face. I've always thought. Because when, when, when you don't know that it's happening to you, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. But when somebody slaps you in the face with it, you're like, wow, I don't know what to think about it because we don't deserve that stuff. Another good point. Yeah, so when, when Gray slaps us in the face, we're like, whoa, wow, I don't deserve that. And when I sense that same kind of radical grace being offered to another person. Oh, yeah. 
then I'm also challenged by, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait they don't deserve that. But they've done this, but they've right. done right. that, yeah. I've, I've, you know, his words, I've served you all my life. I've, I've been a leader in the church, and I have, I've tried to raise my family to be respectable. And, you know, we, we go to church all the time, and, we're, we're, and you just turn around and welcome that younger brother right back in and throw a party yeah. and, and invite all these people. You know all these people know what he did, right, Father? Right. You know that, Father, you look... You, you look silly. In so this. You're embarrassing yourself. You're, yeah, you're embarrassing all of us. Yeah. So, mm. yeah, that that when the grace when grace hits, it, it's mind boggling. Yeah. Well, those things. Now, you also mentioned in your sermon that nobody can live without a story that makes sense of the world, and that we all tell our stories in order to figure out this world we live in. So, and they have a beginning, middle, and end, and could otherwise be. Or I guess it would be just random. How are we to go through the life knowing what Jesus taught and telling our story through that? How are the what are the easier ways, uh, practical ways to do that when we have the salvation that we all strive for in the relationship with God? Yeah, yeah. So in the sermon that we talked about, our stories are all attempts to make sense of the world around us and to the. We try to make sense of ourselves, and, yeah. and we try to communicate ourselves to other people through our stories. And, and and by the way, most of the time, our stories are, or, or my story is, I'm the hero. Oh, well, true. <laughs> Think about it. I said I never really thought about that. Most times, I don't tell the story where I'm the goat. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? I don't, want to, I don't want you to know that stuff. Yeah. So we don't we don't tell those stories. Often those stories are called confession. Yes. Oh yeah. Right. Which which then leads to repentance. Well, I don't want that. I, I want to tell you the story where I caught the fish right. and you know the big fish and and nobody else was even getting a bite. And, yeah. and and here's how I did it. And here's what I know. And here's how I've come to this point in life. And if you'll just listen to me and you'll just do what I you know do. But our story, everybody, every every person's life is a story. Yeah. Life is a story. Um, and so we're trying to, to make sense. And, and so, right, so yesterday my wife and I, Marianne and I, were at a, uh, a large warehouse of goods, very commonly known to folks around here where you go and you buy bulk and you get it at cheap prices. And, okay. And we're standing in line to check out and I hear some commotion and, um, and, and, and I could hear it down the way and, and it sounded like yelling and, and, and so get my hearing is starting to, to go on me. And so I'm, I'm, and I can't see through the crowd, but I keep, and it gets a little louder and louder. And sure enough, here comes one of the store managers that is walking, a female, in front of a man who has a cartload full of items. I mean, it's full. And he is giving her the business. Oh, boy. And yelling at her and calling her all kinds of names all the way down the store because they're making their way all the way to the end cash register, checkout stand that's not being used. And so she goes down there and, and he goes on the other side of the plexiglass and she's checking him out 
And so Marianne kind of moves over in that direction, and I'm thinking, whoa, whoa don't, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know what this guy going to do. Yeah, and really. He is letting her have it, <laughs> and the word he, he's not he's not very. Um, he, he's not selective on the words that he's using in public, okay. and he's telling her, you know, she's the worst ever, and I'm never coming back here in, at the top of his voice. And I'm standing about 30 yards away from him now, and, and I look over at him, and um, I'm just glaring at him, looking at him. And he, he looks at me while he's still yelling. I'm shaking my head no, like, you, you shouldn't be doing this. Well, Marianne had ventured over there, and while I'm— standing in the checkout line and she caught the story and the story was he had tried to go through self-checkout down at the other end yeah and and pay cash for it well the sign says no cash debit credit card only he doesn't pay attention to that scans all of his items ready to pay doesn't take cash mm. and when she comes down she has to void the entire transaction oh wow but then offers sake just follow me right I because mean, he's already losing his mind at this point just follow me and i'll come down here and i'll check you out and we'll get you out of here and um, so even though he didn't read the <laughs> he, he didn't read the sign yeah. he was livid and um i'm i'm angry at this man I mean, he's he's embarrassing himself and and he's and it's not her fault yeah. she didn't write the policy for right. this store and um so i'm ready to I mean, if it were me, man, I'd walk over there and karate chop him, and I don't even know karate. <laughs> hey, oh, oh, wow. <laughs> I'd go, I'd, 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 I'd try my best at a karate chop on him. Marianne goes over there and is, start after they're done, starts talking to the manager and apologizing to her and saying, this isn't your fault, and, you know, you handled that well. Wow. And, um and, and was asking her a question about some boxes that were, that she was looking for, and and they had this conversation, and and so there's a story that when when I get in the car, I have to think about this story. Yeah. What did I want to do? I was going karate chop right, to help her out. Right. I was going to set this thing straight. You don't act like that. You know. He violated my moral compass and yeah. and uh, yeah, it was wrong I, I i was sort of the older brother marianne acted like the father yeah right everything's a story yeah everything relates back to life and and spiritual life and the teachings of jesus not just at church right not just in bible class but at at sam's and at Walmart, yeah. and and in traffic, and um, at the bank, right. and at the restaurant, it's everywhere, because we're all encountering stories. Yeah. How how do I? What input do I have um, into the story? So again, part of it is just just realizing that everything's a story, and not everything's black and white. What what if this man was you know. I don't know, in a hurry to to go to a funeral. I, I, right. you know, I, probably, I probably say, well, you still shouldn't act like that. But but I don't know all the details. Yeah. You know? And, and, and so, again, what Jesus does in the stories is he, he comes at it from multiple angles, and sometimes the story doesn't have a beginning, and like the prodigal son, sometimes it doesn't have an ending. You and I have to put the ending in it. Yes. And we end it 
in a couple of ways. One, by our, our preconceived doctrine that we already believe. Mm. You know, so I might say, well, I'll tell you exactly how that ended. That younger brother um, got a free meal or two for a week or so, and then he took off again. He stole he stole from his father because well, that's the way they do. Statistics tell us mm. that 87% of prodigal sons will do it again. Do it again, right? Yeah. Or we, you know, so I mean, that, that that's one way. But the other way that he allows us to, to finish the story, or we have to, is uh, by my life. How am I living? How do I treat other people? Yeah. Am I karate chopping or am I loving them and encouraging them? You know? So, yeah, again, as I said, and I said many times, um, if Jesus asks you a question, you come to him and, and, and talk to him and he asks you a question, run. And if after you've had a conversation with him, he says, oh, by the way, let me tell you a story, run. Yeah. Because he's going to muddy the water up. Yeah. He's not going to clear it up. Jesus, why do you always speak in parables, they ask him. <laughs> why? Can you just give us one, two, three? Yeah. You know, what are the steps to salvation? Right. And what are the steps to worship? And what, what are the three steps to grow a, a, a thriving church today? And, right? That's, that's the books that we write. That's right. Jesus, Jesus say, oh, you want to grow a church? Let me tell you a story. And you get done with the story and think, I have no clue. Then what did you just say? What are you talking about? Yeah. Right. Which means I, I got to go back and think. I got to go back and ponder. Mm. I got to go back and think about God. And, and, and ultimately, how am I living my life? Mm. Yes. When we say, because you know, we've talked about how the, the image of Jesus sometimes, we have, he has the, the nice lamb over his shoulders and he's very loving and everything, which is great. And when you say, Jesus, uh, Jesus says, I want to tell you a story, I think about uh, on the kindergarten carpet, you know, you sit crisscross applesauce. Um, that sounds great, but man, that would be a very uncomfortable story in sitting, that's for sure. So when Jesus tells us parables and he wants us to, to go deeper and ponder, how, how are we to go from there and think about it? Now, is, would it be something to sit and do ourselves or... Should we definitely go with the call up somebody that can accountability partner or a mentor or somebody and say, "Hey, I'm I'm struggling with this with parable that Jesus is telling, and want to get your perspective on it." Yeah, I think I think both. Uh, I think one if if we want to get serious about the parables of Jesus, here's the first thing we do: we take out our spiritual hammer and start demolishing our theology and our doctrine. First of all, our mm -hmm. our, our, our what we already have. Yeah. Okay. And then, but but we want to rebuild, you know, on, on what Jesus taught. But to to get that, to understand that, first of all, we have to realize he, he is going to make me change. Yeah, he, he's going to, um, he's going to take everything. Not everything. He's going to take things that I thought were rock solid, and and turn them into dust. Mm. And I got to and I got to rebuild, but absolutely. Then I think it's important that we have these discussions with each other, and again, dialogue back and forth about what we hear, what we see. But to me, the key point in 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 having discussion with others is the ability to listen uh, and give the other person permission to say. Uh, let me interject into your story. 
Here's the reason why you struggle with that story is because you will you refuse to go in and dance. Mm-hmm. You refuse to let go. And that's why you struggle with this story. Or you refuse the unmerited, incredible grace of the Father. And that's why you can't live. You believe you're the exception. You're the, the human exception to the grace of God. Mm. Which I've said before, and it's not my it's, it's, it's not my idea, that for me to say, you know, um, well, God could never forgive me because you know of what I've done. We, it, it sounds like that's very humble. Actually, it's the most arrogant thing you can say. Yes, I'm greater than God. Yeah, I'm greater than God's grace. Mm. You know, so yeah, the the dialogue is very important if I'm willing to hear. If, if I don't get it from Jesus, right, if I don't listen, because, by the way, the story, if we really put ourselves into it, that, that's really all you need. Yeah, it's true. If, if Jesus, if you say, okay, that was a curveball there. Uh, okay, oh, yeah, and laugh. Oh, Jesus, I got it, yeah. <laughs> that's what I got to, there, there's my issue. There's my problem. That's what's holding me up. There'd be plenty, but... But again, I'm always looking for the hero in the story, and I want to be the hero. Yeah. Right. So how often would we, in the story of the prodigal son, go, oh, yeah, I'm the father. Yeah, that's me. I love everybody. I forgive everybody. I'm Mr. Encouragement. And I love celebrations. I just love it all. That's me. I'm the father. Yeah. You know, that's what I, I have a tendency to do that. Yeah. I'm Mr. Everything Together. Yeah. So, yeah, again, putting myself in the story. Uh, to me is is critically important. And by the way, and I said this, don't don't worry about not understanding what Jesus is really getting at because his disciples couldn't get it. See how the guy sitting at his feet couldn't get it. (laughs) Again, how many times did they go, "Uh, Jesus, would you come over here? Let's huddle up here, you know, we're away from the crowd. What was that all about? What are you talking about over there? What what, what do you you mean? Yeah. (laughs) And you, you mentioned how we uh, have to wrestle a lot. So, uh, yeah, you mentioned that Israel, the name was given to the Hebrew people, and that God loves a good wrestling match. And of course, you know, I'm down here in the studio, just thinking to myself, "Oh man, he's got a wrestling reference coming up." And, oh, he didn't. So I was thinking like headlock or back body drop or something. <laughs> Hulk but I didn't Hogan, get one. <laughs> yeah, a Hulk Hogan story <laughs> so or Andre the it. Giant, something. <laughs> yeah. No, they're right. So that's their name. Right. They, they, they wrestle with God. Yeah. God gave them that name. Mm-hmm. Come on, wrestle. Think. Be challenged. Um, say, I don't know. Uh, change your mind. Walk away. You know, walk, walk away from it for a while so that you can come back later. You know? And I've always I've had a uh, discussion with uh, some youth group members, a couple of that are graduating uh, here soon, actually, that if you... If you have that mentality of, I, I know everything, or I know, I've heard this story 75 times or whatever, well, let's approach the story like we're a skeptic. Like, I don't believe this stuff and see what happens from there. Because if you approach it like a skeptic and try to put yourself into the story, you're going to open yourself up to a few things, I no, think. So. That's, that's a great idea. As a skeptic, um, one of the assignments we had when I was in graduate school was um, always taking the other side of the story. So my... Um, paper that I had to write is tell the story of the Exodus from the point of view of the Egyptians. Oh wow, oh, that'd be fun. How'd they feel? Yeah, what they think about it? Did they go, "Woo, way to go, God! You rescued"? 
No, they plundered us yeah. and killed our children. And right? so that's, that, that, that's a way of um, looking at the other side of the coin. Yeah. Or as I've heard before, looking at the backside of water. Oh, wow. Okay. And the only time I've ever done that is at Six Flags when there was this roller coaster ride that came to an end and it went in this little cave and there was a waterfall going over the top. And when you came through there, you were looking at the backside of water, oh, which you wow. never get to see. Yeah. You know, hmm. so that, that, that could be a, a good exercise yeah. uh, to practice. That's interesting. Yeah. How did, uh, you know, how did Zacchaeus feel about Jesus saying, hey, come to your house? Yeah, we know the end of the story, but how did he feel about that? Yeah. What would what would you be thinking, you know, about about that? T take any story and, and and look at it from a different angle. That'd be interesting to do. Um, Speaking of that, you know, we have uh, talking about culture. I was reading a story recently about how you know the airline industry was invented here in America, and our culture is pretty straightforward. We have the freedom to speak and. Um, what's the big fancy word egalitarian kind of society where um, somebody of a higher rank is respected but just not as other cultures are and so when i want to say it was like the 90s there was there seemed to be a lot of airplane crashes in korea and i want to say somewhere in the uh, latin america area but in those cultures because you know and airliners are designed for co two pilots so the pilot does all the major stuff and the co-pilot's there to do all the small stuff that the pilot may overlook. And so in other cultures, the co-pilot was too nice to the pilot to tell him or her that, you know, you need to do this or we're low on fuel or whatever. Uh, I think one story that I remember right now is someone from Latin America crashed into LaGuardia because the co-pilot was too nice to tell the air traffic controllers that they were low on fuel and they need to do emergency land right now. Yeah. So just things like that that when you think about other cultures and how that affects it just it's so amazing how when we try to take our culture and put it in the bible how it just does not work and how our minds need to think like that sometimes and how we can it's hard to wrap our heads around you know men having multiple wives and um, baby <laughs> sacrifices and stuff like that which i totally understand that's kind of right. out there for us but when we put ourselves in there uh, it, it, I think it's going to be a lot easier for everyone out there. Yes. And it's, it's, it's very common, most of us do it, that you're right. We read the stories in the Bible as if they were taking place in 21st century America. Right. And how we feel and how we think. And so we ask questions of the text that the ancient hearers of it would never ask. Yeah. And, and and we tend to think, you know, so when we read a story, we tend to think, again, Walmart and the Internet and modern church assemblies. Yeah. And, it, you know, the ancient texts were so far removed from that that it does require a little background work for us. Yeah. And we'd love to say, hey, just pick up the Bible and read it. Well, okay, but... If you're going to do that, you do need to have some level of uh, background understanding of yeah. what you're reading and why these things were said this way. Because, again, some of the writers assumed, and, and, and rightly so, that their readers understood everything that was being said. We don't. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. 
And so before we uh, wrap up, I want to I wanted to share a modern day parable with you. All right. And if I can, if I can get everybody to kind of pay attention through this and, and bear with me. So this is a, a modern day parable. <clears throat> On a dangerous seacoast where shipwrecks often occur, there was once a crude little life-saving station. The building was just a hut and there was only one boat. But the few devoted members kept a constant watch over the sea. And with no thought for themselves, they went out day or night tirelessly searching for the lost. Many lives were saved by this wonderful little station. So that became famous. And some of those who were saved and various others in the surrounding areas wanted to become associated with the station and give of their time and money and effort for the support of its work. New boats were bought and new crews were trained. The little life-saving station grew. Some of the new members of the life-saving station were unhappy that the building was so crude and so poorly equipped. They felt that a more comfortable place should be provided as the first refuge of those saved from the sea. So they replaced the emergency cots with beds and put better furniture in an enlarged building. Now the life-saving station became a popular gathering place for its members, and they redecorated it beautifully and furnished it as a sort of a club. Less of the members were now interested in going to on-sea life-saving missions, so they hired lifeboat crews to do this work. The mission of the life-saving was still given lip service, but most were too busy or lacked the necessary commitment to take part in the life-saving activities personally. And about this time, a large ship was wrecked off the coast, and the hired crews brought in boatloads of cold, wet, and half-drowned people. They were dirty and sick, and some of them had black skin, and some spoke a strange language, and the beautiful new club was considerably messed up. So the property committee immediately had, out, had a shower house built outside the club, where victims of shipwreck could be cleaned up before coming inside. At the next meeting, there was a split in the club membership. Most of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities as being unpleasant and a hindrance to the normal life pattern of the club. But some members insisted that life-saving was their primary purpose and pointed out that they were still called a life-saving station. But they were finally voted down and told that if they wanted to save the life of all various kinds of people who were shipwrecked in those waters, they could begin their own life-saving station down the coast. And so they did. As the years went by, the new station experienced the same changes that had occurred in the old. They evolved into a club and yet another life-saving station was founded. If you visit the seacoast today, you will find a number of exclusive clubs along that shore. Shipwrecks are still frequent in those waters, but only now most of the people drown. Ouch. Yeah, I was going to say, go ahead and comment on that. That, when I read that the first time, I shared that with Men's Breakfast here quite a few years ago, that hit hard and it hurt, just like the parables Jesus told, because that is a modern-day parable. Yeah. And I sit here and listen to it, and it kind of aggravates me, right? Yeah. Which, which, which is which is what the the parable is supposed to do. Yeah, that's a direct parable, you know, at the church, mm-hmm. at us, at us, yeah, at me. Now think about it, and we will every Sunday. Okay, and 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 I'm included in this, but I'm going to say it every Sunday. We get up and pray for the lost. That's right. I mean, we'll pray for them. Lord. Help us to find the lost and to bring them in and to save the lost. And then next Sunday, we'll say the same prayer. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, yeah, that hurts. You think about, if you were to, when Jesus was here on earth, you say, hey, I, I want to go find Jesus. Let's go find Jesus. Where would you go? Yeah. Think about it. 
you say, well, I heard that he was in Nazareth, and you you run over to Nazareth like, no, he's not here anymore. He's he, he he's moving he's on. Left. He's he's on the he's on the way. He's on the road. There you go. Often described of Jesus, and you run to you run to Jerusalem. No, he's not here anymore. Jesus was always on the move, yeah. moving. And uh, so, if you were going to find Jesus, you, you, what you'd have to do is start getting in front of him and circling back, so that you would, you know, encounter him uh, face to face. As far as you know, just a way of thinking about right, it, because yeah. he's not stopping; he's on the move, talking to people, loving people, healing people, telling parables, on to the next place, on to the next place. We've seen this; we know this. But somewhere in the history of Christianity, we stopped moving. Mm amongst the people out there and we start stacking bricks and stones on top of each other and said okay now here we are come to us oh yeah come on to us hey look if you want the if you want the good news of jesus at 9 30 on sunday morning here we are here we are six o'clock on sunday night back in the day seven o'clock on wednesday and if you have any needs, uh, we're located at, you know, 102 Main Street. You drive up here and there'll be somebody here. You know, we've got we've got paid staff and they can they can walk you through it. Yeah. yeah right. So so the mentality changed. So yeah, when you tell a parable, when you read that parable, that hits us home. That that hits at home with us in our modern day thinking about what is church and what does it mean to to, to, to practice Christianity. The yeah. video that we showed Sunday about uh, the fishing. That was yes. hilarious. Yeah, that was great. And it just drove a stake mm -hmm. through you. Yeah. Uh, we're just people of excuses. Yep. Let's just pay somebody to, to do the work that Jesus called us to do. That's right. Uh, mm, we don't like to hear that. Yeah, I know. We don't, I don't want to hear that. Or I've heard the term, uh, throw money at a ministry. Yeah. I've heard that term doing that, and that one sounds really bad. <laughs> yeah. You know, it'd be interesting to write a... Um, a post-pandemic parable now mm. and like where we find ourselves today because yeah we are asking a lot of questions about yeah. what's happened yeah where did this go where did that will this ever come back will that ever come back well what do we do well what does ministry look like going forward and again at, at this point a lot of us say I, I, I don't know yeah are we just are we just hanging on hoping that somehow it goes back Again, to a 20th century church model, uh, I don't think it's going back mm -mm. to that. I don't think it can. You know, so I wonder what a, a post-COVID parable would sound like. Mm. I don't know. I like that idea. So when in the name of each was Jesus tells us a story. So when we want stories, you know, nice and neat and black and white, just your personal opinion, why do you think Jesus always left them open? Or didn't give us a beginning, didn't give us an end. Because I know you said you know, he wants us to think and ponder. And short side note, youth ministry, I always tell everybody, you know, the brain is the only organ that named itself. He wants us to use them. <laughs> That's deep. <laughs> so I said, hey, gave us a brain and he named it itself, so we need to use them. Yeah. So that's. I was just wanted to, wanted to see what, what you thought about that. Yep. Absolutely. So, for example, again, I use this Sunday, and Jesus talks about when the Son of Man returns, and two will be in the field, and one will be taken, the other left, two on the roof, one will be taken, one will be left, two in the bed, one will be taken, the other will be left, and the disciples hear this, and are like, man, that's that's scary, that's shocking, yeah. holy moly, Jesus, when? 
When's this right. happening? Great question. When? And Jesus says to them, well, um, when you see the vulture circling, you know there's a dead body. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. Whoa, wait, wait a minute. Hold Come on. on. Back up. What? Yeah. And he keeps going. And so Jesus could have explained life and explained parables and explained teachings if he wanted to. He could have. He chose not to. Yeah. We have to process that. He could have, instead of telling, um, you know, the story of the prodigal son, could have said, look, guys, write this down. God loves you more than you'll ever know. And God loves the sinner. And, and, and God loves the, the Pharisee. And he loves both of them. Okay, you guys got that? Yeah, write it down. Okay. He could have done that. That's true. But he didn't. Yeah. He, he tells a story. Now look, I, I, and I get that. My wife will ask me from time to time, what, what stories are you telling today in the sermon? Yeah. I say, well, I, I don't know. I don't really tell. Well, tell a story. Why don't you tell a story? I get it. So if I tell a story during the sermon and I get done, and by the way, if I don't finish, like, so I'll tell part of a story to, to make my point. Okay. And after the sermon, you know, I'm standing back there waiting on people to greet me and tell me what a great sermon that was. And, you know, you really did a great job on articulating the purpose of the Dead Sea Scrolls in, uh, you know, Aramaic and that type of thing. Wow. Yeah, I don't know I'm making that up. <laughs> like, somebody said right. that to you after a sermon? Wow. Yeah. No, that's what I dream of. <laughs> okay. Right? okay. Man, you really, that's a great homiletical project <sighs> that you just uh, undertook there. But no, they'll come up and say, hey, hey, that story about Bob and Sally. Whatever happened to Sally? Oh, uh, yeah. What happened to Sally? Did she die? Did she, you know? Like, well, yeah, she's fine, you know. But they want to know the story. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. Oh, we're talking about why did Jesus do that? Yes. Je Jesus knows this. He's the master storyteller. Yeah. He could have just, he could have been more like Paul, and Paul would lay it out, you know, theologically and... <laughs> we tend to, we tend to, you know, our eyes droop during that. Yeah. Um, well, he had somebody fall out of a window after 17 hours or whatever it was. Right, so, I mean, right. there you go. <laughs> Split him wide open. Yeah. But Jesus told us, he could have done it another way, but he didn't. Yeah. And he leaves some of it open-ended. And he'll say these, what we call pithy sayings. Mm. That again, you scratch your head and walk away and go, okay, what, what, what did he mean by that? See, if Jesus can keep... Here's the way I want to say: If Jesus can keep Jesus on your mind during the week, He's got it. Mm. He, he's one. There you go. If the preacher doesn't allow you to keep Jesus on your mind during the week, then you'll walk away and say, "I got it." What? How have we been trained to preach? Yeah. Well, you give them three points and you summarize it and you clean it up. So I have to laugh when 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 guys do sermons out of the. Book of Hezekiah, right? Right. Hezekiah's not even so. Hezekiah, and there, and and, and uh, you know, a prophet Isaiah, let's say, and 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 the, and the prophet Isaiah. If you don't listen to my words, and God is going to get you, and woe to you, and it'll be worse than for Sodom and Gomorrah, right? And that, that's the text for the day. Mm. And so the preacher's up there preaching it and preaching and preaching, and then says, "But Jesus went to the cross for you." And you don't have to worry about any of this. And if you'll just give your life to Jesus, 
it'll all be made well. Nah. Right? So we want to clean it all up. Yeah. We don't want to wrestle with uh, the mysteries and the challenges and the hurt and the pain and the sin in this life. So preachers are good at saying, now here's the text, but here's three points that you can, if you'll just practice these things, and, and here's a poem that'll make you feel good about That's yourself. That's right. You know. So um, Jesus, I think, tells the parables so that we, we walk away thinking about it and struggling with it and think about it tomorrow and think about my life and put myself in the story and what could he mean and how does that work out in today's world? See, because there are universal principles that are involved in each parable. Oh, yeah. Regardless of culture. Yep. Will I take the time to process through it and learn and change? And put God in the headlock or take a headlock from yeah, God and wrestle right. with him. Sleep in a sleeper hole. Well, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I can go all day about that. Uh, so hopefully that we can, when we read these together, we can always, like you said in the sermon, we can, maybe now we can see and hear so that we can see Jesus and hear what he was really saying to us. Yes. Yes, because Jesus clearly said, look, one of the reasons I do this is because people are always wanting to see and they don't get it and they're wanting to hear, but they don't hear it. Yeah. They don't understand it. Why? Because they're trying to keep Jesus in a box. They're trying to put Jesus in that in that role of uh, Davidic King Messiah back mm, then. Yeah, and he wasn't gonna let him do it. Mm-mm. He he's gonna he's gonna have females in his ministry. You know, he he's gonna say neither do I condemn you, and he'll say I forgive you. And uh, where, where the uh, where the vultures are circling, there you'll see dead bodies. Eat on the Sabbath. I mean, he's just <laughs> going to wreak havoc mm. on the religious world. Yeah. So this is what you perceived. I'm exactly the opposite. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So I know this Sunday is um, graduation Sunday, so I would say, hey, what's a preview? But um, I'm just going to be celebrating the graduates in the entire class of 2021 this coming Sunday. But uh, do you have anything for, are we going to continue with stories on for the oh, following Sunday? I just locked into, I didn't have time to do this one, but we've got a, we're going to spend a whole Sunday on what is referred to as the Good Samaritan. Oh, Nice. No, it's not nice. Well, yes, <laughs> I, I, I am. Yes, yeah. I can only imagine because there's a uh, see when you want to identify in that story. That's a tough one for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, that one shook up folks. Yeah, that one shook up folks, and uh, it should shake us up. And so we're going to spend an entire Sunday breaking down the Good Samaritan because it shouldn't be named the Good Samaritan. It's, uh-huh. it's not about the Good Samaritan. It's about either me in the ditch. Yeah. Or me walking by right. without doing anything for the guy that's in the ditch. Yeah. Mm. That's what the story's about. I'm looking forward to that one. To a certain extent, you know, I'm, I love right. being challenged, but when you start poking at pride, I'm like, okay, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I'm just kidding. I love that. If you guys have any questions about anything, um, and so I thought about next week, as far as podcasts go, since we're honoring our graduates, that we would just have a, a free-for-all. Maybe we can just have a discussion about anything. So if you guys have any questions about anything. Uh, send them on into HCOC Digital Media at gmail.com, and we'll just have a great discussion next week. So, Danny, yeah, thank you again you're for welcome. A free uh, for all. I like that. That sounds like I can bring my karate chops in. Oh, there, that's right. Bring, bring that in. <laughs> Everybody, thanks for listening. Have a great week, Danny. We'll see you later. All right. God bless.